0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com.
1: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR Weekly. My name is Barry McBride, and I am the publisher and the web dork of the OBR Happy to be your host during uh, this August hour, uh, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Welcome. Uh, It is my job to ask questions that we get from the chat room. I usually bring a couple with me uh, just in case we don't get enough of them. Uh, And uh, uh, other than that, my job is to get out of the way and let uh, our beat writer, Fred the Legend, breathe them. Provide uh, the actual knowledge and insight uh, to the program. How's it going, Fred? <clears throat> Just peachy. Just peachy. That's what I like to hear. Uh, you're covering a six and nine team uh, that uh, is out of the playoffs and uh, does not have any first round draft picks next year. So, peachy, I think, is about as good as we're going to get. Hey, Barry, uh, I've covered
2: worse. I've covered worse.
1: (laughs) You certainly have. You certainly have. Uh, And uh, we have dealt with worse over the last 20 some odd years, you and I, my old friend. Uh, So, uh, um, you know, we have at least uh, uh, that to be thankful for. Um, (laughs) But, uh, um, you know, there is some hope. There is some hope. So we will continue to um, cover this team. Uh, as always, my friends, please hit us up uh, with uh, your comments and questions in the YouTube and Twitch chat room. We've already got a couple of them uh, and uh, do appreciate uh, those coming in already, and we will get to them as quickly as possible after Fred and I uh, cover uh, a, a couple of uh, quick items that I want to make sure that we get to uh, before we get to your questions. Um, and if you don't have questions for us, Fred and I will just sort of sit here and, and talk about uh, our Christmas holidays and our plans for New Year's Eve and stuff like that that nobody really cares about. Uh, so please ask questions. Um, first, a couple of things I want to talk about uh, while I've got your time, Fred. Uh, obviously, the Browns lost 17-10 to 10 to the Saints in sub-Arctic conditions in uh, Cleveland Browns Stadium, First Energy Stadium. Um The Saints seemed to run the ball better than we did. Uh, They seemed more comfortable in the ridiculous conditions. Uh, And so, you know, after watching that game and during that game to the very last tick of the clock, uh, which was painful, I have to ask, why so much damn passing by the Browns and why not more Nick Chubb? Do you have any thoughts on those two questions? Well, I think... You know, Nick Chubb
2: ran the ball 24 times. Um, I don't know how much more. Um, I would have liked to seen more of number four running. Um, My biggest criticism to that game was he took off on a 12-yard touchdown run. I don't even think he was touched. And yet the rest of the game, he ran the ball twice. And, right. you know, he just ran one straight out of bounds for a three or four yard pickup and the other one's similar. So whether they're just not having him run by design or he's deciding not to take it and run or the coaches have told him do not run. I don't know. But especially in those elements, I was scratching my head all day. They got a guy, Taysom Hill, who's a, you know, a lumbering big old boy. Mm-hmm. He just ran the ball, took the snap. You knew he wasn't even going to pass. He's a, listed as a quarterback. He did not throw the ball once. He just takes it and run every play. Once in a while, he might hand it to Kamara. That was all they were going to do. You knew that. I knew that. Most people that, if they braved the elements and, and went to the game, knew that. Why couldn't the Browns figure out, okay, let's just send – 10 of the 11 to go tackle one or both of those guys and just say the heck, they're not going to pass it here. So you got a much better um, asset. Yeah, he's not big and physical, but he can run, and he can run out of bounds, and he can use the sideline to avoid getting hit. I just think that he was totally misused. I think he's been misused in that area since he got here that's the one area of the game that, you know, your athleticism is there, you know, once you're in shape, you might not be on target throwing the ball and everything like that. But certainly the other day in those elements, I would take a fourth and two, you know, with him rolling out and sprinting to the sideline to get two yards, as opposed to throw the ball up in the air in the hurricane and hope it lands in the receiver's hands because, That's basically, it was a hope and a prayer on some of those balls. And that's, that's what got me more than not giving it to Chubb. I think, you know, they, that's about what they do with him, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you shouldn't have 31 runs and 31 throws in a hurricane like that, or tornado, whatever you want to call it. Bomb cyclone. It was just um, very head scratching and it makes you, you know, just kind of, try to understand you know what what is the is the plan for the Sean Watson this offense do you just throw it out the window because of the elements the other day um I don't know but I ask or I went to ask uh Stefanski on Monday one of my colleagues asked get ahead of me so his answer was well they they brought a safety down they did a good job and so basically they took that away. Well, that makes no sense to me because you didn't try it again. And their best safety was in street clothes, Marcus May, because he was out with an injury. And if you're saying their backup safety is better than Deshaun Watson running, I think that's a problem because I would take my chances with the athleticism of Watson of beating that safety once in a while, if not most of the time. And so I thought that was kind of a poor excuse to just say, well, the Saints took it away. So, so that, oh, well, nothing we can do now. Okay. You need to make an adjustment the other way to take and, you know, or make them at least try to stop it. So that's my take on that. That was a, that was a, a game made for you to just have your, your guy roll out and run. I keep saying this over and over Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson. Why does everybody worry about playing him? Because he takes off and runs all the time. Watson can throw the ball. Well, the the weather kind of took that away. So why not just have him run?
1: Right. <coughs> right. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> that was actually my follow-up question, uh, you know, on, on, on my sheet here, why weren't there more design runs for Watson? And I guess it will remain a mystery uh, for now. But uh, as you noted in your takeaways article after the game, uh, Watson had his worst game statistically. Um, now, how, how much, uh, worst game passing statistically, uh, how much of that do you pin on Watson having trouble in the conditions? And how much do you pin on the receiver's not throwing relatively well thrown balls in the cold, you know, given that that ball is like granite uh, in the uh, minus 20 degree wind chill temperatures.
2: Well, yeah. Um, yeah, he's played four games, and I think he had in the first one against the Texans, that was his worst game of his career with QB rating like 53. And that's understandable. But then I, I think a lot of it's the weather. That last drive, I thought he was on point. And you look at the game overall, three do- drop touchdown passes, okay? But I do think a lot of that was the weather even for the receivers. I mean, I mean, Cooper, we've seen him make a drop, a big fourth down drop earlier in the year, but he atoned for it. He slipped just as the ball was coming to him. He's wide open. Um, I think he catches that if he doesn't slip. That's a touchdown. Then people's Mm -hmm. Jones should have cut the ball in the end zone on the final drive. And then we know Njoku in fairness, you know, Njoku owned it, but to get with the wind, Watson had to put a little extra on it. I think it was, you know, it wasn't a touch pass. That was a kind of a bullet because if he didn't do that, the wind would probably made it sail. So, I mean, yeah, it was the receiver's fault, but I think the the conditions, you know, do play into it. But take that away. Even, obviously, two of those drops were on one drive, so even if one of them would have been caught, you know, I'm sure his rating would have been much higher. And the interception, you know, you can blame David Bell, you know, it went off his hands Mm -hmm. on the interception, so that knocked it down. So – I kind of throw stats out the window from that aspect. Um, And it's like I asked Stefanski today in in his presser, you know, about opening it up and how important it is to.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?
3: Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Show some glimpse here in one of these two games
2: to open up the offense and put put some points on the board and he kind of gave the same old answer because I think that's so important because right now I don't think Brown's fans are. are, there's really not much to to grab onto for next year if they come out they're eliminated from the playoffs but come out and put up 40 points and just just march up and down the field kind of what you were expecting with Watson I think that would quell a lot of anxiety and it's supposed to be in the 50s with the sunny skies in, in Washington. And I think it's going to be about as good of conditions as you could hope for, you know, on what January 1st. So I just think, I just think this is a big opportunity to do so. Sure. Washington has a good defense, but, but let's see what you got. This is your fifth game with him. He's got to no more excuse on the rust. I think he looked good. Even in the wind the other day, throwing the ball, just had some issues with the receivers and so forth. So that's all got to be out the window. This is what you got the guy for. See what he's got.
1: Yeah, the offensive line certainly has a test against the commanders um, on Sunday against that front four, especially if Chase Young gets a number of of reps um, as – Rivera is starting to, to talk about, that. You know, we we're, we've got a number of comments on um, in in the chat room that I've uh, I've marked here, uh, which really go to uh, a commentary you put out the other day about the team's uh, mantra of tough, smart, and accountable. Uh, Larry in the YouTube chats says we got manhandled on both sides of the ball up front. Um, Manimal says, the Saints had mental toughness and the Browns played like wimps. Uh, (coughs) We have a comment from Tysox15 that says, it seems like KS repeatedly gets tricky on third and fourth and short. He keeps saying he has to get better, as he wrote this week. At what point does he hold himself accountable since they are not tough or smart? Uh, It does seem to me like uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, struggle with toughness a little bit. It seems like they get out-toughed uh, to a great degree, despite all the talent that we have on this team. Um, and certainly uh, Saturday's game seemed like evidence uh, of that uh, a, a bit, that they got play, outplayed by a dome team in what was supposedly AFC North conditions. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? and uh uh what are your thoughts on whether uh, a team like this with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson would be better off playing in the dome
2: well i mean that's not going to happen the the dome obviously is i think he, he's much more conducive you know for that because of his athleticism and, and so forth. That's what he played in. He's from the South and so forth. But with that said, the, the Saints, yeah, they, they hadn't won a game outdoors all year um, on the road. Uh, they are a dome team, but as Mike Key pointed out to me, most of those guys have played. You know, In fact, they got half a dozen guys from Ohio State on the roster. They, they have guys from all over the country, so they've all played in cold. But it came down to – Yeah, mental toughness, and as I quoted my story, the coach from the Saints, Dennis Allen, said he told his team whoever's more mentally tough would win the game, and I have to agree with that because they were both playing in the same elements. I had a source close to the team tell me that the defensive guys were just all, you know, bannied around the heater all the time. You know, they were more concerned with that, than what was going on in the game. And it just seemed like, you know, they quit playing. That defense only gave up 17 points, but they did give up a 10 point lead. And, um, I just, I just think since, since Stefanski and Barry God here, they came up with this tough, smart, accountable, I'd almost add physical. They, as you said, they're not physical. They just kind of, um, I don't know. Mental toughness in those four games they lost early in the season, at least two of them should have been won just by want to. Several of the players have said on defense early in the year, they just didn't want it bad enough. And that to me is that desire has nothing to do with your ability. If you you just want it more than the other team, we know they've, We've seen evidence when they played well, the defense, but just don't don't find ways to win games. And one of the things that's got to be frustrating to Browns fans is you look at teams that we both probably despise, the Ravens and the Steelers in the division. I respect them. I don't really like either of them, but they find ways to win. The Ravens, you could argue last year they had so many injuries. This year they had about as many. The Browns have had injuries, but not to the magnitude of the Ravens, and yet they're 10-5. and How do you explain that? Without their franchise quarterback the last three games, and they still find ways to be 10-5 and and get in the playoffs. And then there's the Steelers. Does anybody watching this right now think the Steelers have a better roster than the Browns? I thought this was going to be a 3-13, and 3-14 Steeler team, and they got a better record than the Browns. If they win this week or they beat the Browns in the final game, they, they will finish ahead of the Browns. I mean, that is, that is unacceptable, in my opinion, because they just find ways to win. The Steelers do that. How can you, I mean, Kenny Pickett, might be good down the road. He's just learning. He's a typical rookie quarterback. How in the world could they still have a chance at making the playoffs and having the record they have? It's toughness. It's physical. It's being accountable. They find ways to win. And that's, I think, the biggest concern with the Browns, is that it just seems like you look at them on paper and say, this is a good team. I've said I thought this was the best roster I had covered, in 30 plus years. And yet somehow we get to this point in the season and it just seems to unravel year after year after year. And I don't know. I just don't think the tone is set by Kevin Stefanski in his three years. I just don't think they're tough enough. They're not, you know, they might be finesse and all that, but It's got to come from somewhere, and I think it comes from John Harbaugh, and I think it comes from Mike Tomlin. From the top down, they might lose a guy, and you go, they're done. And then they they continually keep going. You know, and even you think the Saints the other day. And when you saw the guys they had on injured list, my goodness, their top three wide receivers on defense, like four or five of their best guys, and they still won, you know, Browns get one or two guys out and everybody's like, oh, no, what are you going to do now? These other teams just truly have the next man up and the guy goes in, they win.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, maybe it's a failure of analytics, too. I mean, how does analytics measure toughness? You know, of all the measures out there, I don't know how you can chart it, uh, but uh for some reason, we don't seem to have it. Um, I have another sort of a general question for you too about this six and nine season, uh, with the Browns having a decent shot at going six and eleven, which is a disaster. I think none of us really were prepared for. Um, I rate the two biggest issues the Browns had during the season uh, as as not in order. One of them was the eleven game suspension for suspension for Deshaun Watson. The second one was the Browns complete and total inability (coughs) to stop opponents from running the ball. Right. Of those two, which do you think was more significant in the collapse of the Browns' season? Which, which do you think was the, the biggest issue with the Browns this year?
2: Well, they do kind of go hand in hand. Any team and I've written it several times. If Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, any of those guys got injured and were going to miss the first 11 games, their season would be pretty much over. You've seen it with the Ravens. I mean, Jackson's missed three games. They're one and two. Um, so so to me, you cannot tell me four and seven if, if Watson wouldn't have had to sit down and leave the team and miss preseason, or, I mean, after he could have, you know, played a little more and been ready to go to start the year, they'd have won a minimum one or two of those four games they lost. And even today with just one win, you know, you're seven and eight and you still could win out and get in the playoffs, especially the way the dolphins are going. So, I think that's the biggest one. But right behind it is the the defense in general. The defense screwed them over. I mean, the offense, I would have never dreamed they would average 25 points a game under Jacoby Brissett in those first eleven games. And yet they did. The but the defense was giving up twenty six or more in those games. The defense lost them games. I mean it lost the you know you can go right through the list it lost the jets game it lost the falcons game chargers game you know and even the ravens game all those games they had chances to win but the but the browns put up enough points you know to win those games the defense didn't come through when they needed to so yeah I put it on the defense, and that's why they need to make a change at defensive coordinator because you can't for two years in a row wait until the second half of the season to start playing football. You know, you got to do it from day one, especially this year when you knew your quarterback was going to be out for 11 games.
1: Yeah, the the pass defense has done pretty well, I would say, over the last few games, but the run defense, that's a fireable offense for uh, – uh, for someone, Hey, um, uh, I mentioned a dome a, a few questions ago. Uh, our, uh, inimitable producer, Ian bits, uh, ran a poll in the Twitch chat room, which has such capabilities. And, uh, the vote was yes, uh, that, uh, our, our Twitch denizens, uh, approved a dome, uh, in, uh. For Cleveland, uh, which is, uh, you know, it wasn't a, a huge yes vote, uh, as you would expect in Cleveland, where people love the elements. But I think after last weekend, people see the value uh, of a domed stadium, uh, not only for the game of football, but also uh, with, uh, uh, you know, the multi-purpose there. You know, I'm an old guy. You know, I still love the elements and stuff like that. But I watched on TV. I have to admit, uh, last weekend. So that, that's the result. And thank you again, E. Gillen. You you just rock, dude. Thank you so much for uh, gifting those subs uh, again this week. Um, so well, Barry, I'll going. say,
2: you know, I don't know how quick you could even put a dome on there if you'd even do it in Watson's career. Uh, yep, but I like the, I like the, the, what Indianapolis has done. I've been over there for games where they closed the roof and I've been there for games where the roof's open, you know, a day like last week, obviously you close it up and you got a decent game. Um, and so, you know, and all the time I've covered, there's only been a couple times it's really been really bad weather, but I like the the retractable dome thing so you can have basketball events and and off-season events and kind of a destination. I mean they have the combi- the combine over there and I just think that makes the most sense here. You know, you crank it open when it's 70 degrees out and sunny and you mm-hmm. know and if it's rainy or nasty for You know, then you can always and you can always do it to your discretion what you think would help your team. You know, right? But that's that's all I'd have to say about that aspect. The dome, but I don't know those things move at a snail's pace, and and I don't know if it takes five years or eight years, but probably you wouldn't be talking within the span that Watson's even still here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, at the rate that the value of NFL franchises is increasing. Uh, you would think that financing such a thing wouldn't be as big a challenge as it would have been, you know, 15 years ago. Jeff Bezos has been rumored as a potential buyer of the Washington Commanders franchise, and they're throwing around the number $8 billion for that franchise. Just freaking mind-boggling amounts of money now being thrown around. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of it and and all that, you know, taxpayer money and how much is NFL money and waterfront development and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's far too complex for us. I'd love to see a, 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 a retractable dome here in the city. The question is who pays for it? you know, and, and and how it goes in with waterfront development. If that becomes an issue, we'll have to talk about it at some point. Right now, it's uh, sort of wishful thinking uh, on our part. So let's go to some of the questions that have been queued up here. Uh, we've got uh, currently a uh, group of eight of them. Uh, that's enough to carry us for 15 minutes or so. So if you guys have more, feel free to fire away. I will add them to the queue and uh, we will uh, uh, we'll uh, knock our way through them. Uh, first question comes from our buddy Eco, and he says, how concerned is the OBR Brain Trust over recent issues that the Browns have had running the ball? So by the term OBR Brain Trust, he's clearly referring to you, Fred. So how concerned are you about the, our running issues?
2: Well, you know, I, I am concerned to some degree. I mean, you, you've... You've tied up now, Jack Conklin. You got three, you know, of your linemen are getting big time money. And as as the season's gone on, their production seems to have gone down. And it has, I think Jake was pointing out, you know, that whether teams are catching on to the to the way that defend the Browns, a lot of people thought, well, it's because of Baker Mayfield last year. Um, but they just have trouble running the ball when they really need to run the ball. And, and so, and then we talked about pass blocking as well. I mean, Watson really hasn't tried to air it out. Obviously the other day wasn't the day to do it, but in the previous games when he had decent weather, um, he hasn't really had enough time to, to get back and, and let it go. So, that's where why I'm looking at this week decent weather, sunny, not much wind. This would be, you know, a chance to see what they got because now you've committed to Conklin and and Teller and Batonio and, and what are you going to do with Posick and Jedrick Wills? Are they are they just guys you really believe in or guys you're just keeping continuity for continuity's sake?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, I I have a theory. uh, It's sort of uh, associated with Eco's next question about Wyatt Teller and his struggles uh, over the last half of the season. Now, obviously, he's had uh, some injury-related issues, but adding to those injury-related issues with Teller uh, has been the fact that Conklin's been coming back from injury uh, with his patellar tear, so he hasn't been 100%. And we've also had uh, uh, Yelby Froholt there at center, which has not been his ace position. So Teller's been simultaneously dealing with uh, his own injury issues while, you know, trying to compensate for the guys around him. So the right side of the line has been sort of a mess. So from my perspective, we certainly have not been seeing the best out of that side of the line uh, over the course of this season in that we uh, should expect much better performance from them as time goes on and they, uh, as they uh, perform better. Uh, do you think that I am, as usual, without a clue in that analysis, or do you think that we are seeing about as good as we're going to get from that offensive line when it comes to the run game?
2: No, I mean, I will in defense of the Browns signing Conklin um i don't know about the money issue and that jack broke broke that down but um in fairness most medical people i've talked to said that it takes a full year before you really recover from a torn patella and you know that's just regular life not playing in the nfl and so he came back in the third game this year so he just hit the year mm-hmm you know, maybe a couple weeks ago. So the Browns have to be convinced that his best football is still in front of him. Not that he is just deteriorating into an old has been, he was a pro bowl guy. He did get alternate pro bowl this year. Um, He's not only pro bowl, he made all pro. So he was one of the best right tackles in the NFL. So with that in common, I have to believe that the Browns felt to make that commitment that he's going to be much better next year because he'll have the whole off season to he, to continue to, he even said that we talked to him this week after they announced his signing is that he will be able to really build back up. All he was doing was trying to get back to play, not really building up his strength and all that. So He is a gym rat. He wants to be with the Browns. I have to think that they have to be sold on him because, or else they just don't feel James Hudson's ready to go because he played the first two games, and he could step in next year. And so, yeah, I think Conklin, and I do think Teller. He he played through that calf injury. Who knows if it's still bothering him? And uh, we we've seen him play well, so I I think he's got it in him and Posick, you know, come right back immediately. So that tells you that the center play wasn't as good as a guy coming off injured reserve. So Batonio, he's been the rock. So um, Callahan's supposed to be the benchmark, the guy that knows what he's doing there. I think they're leaning on him, you know, with those guys. And I think that they want continuity. A couple years ago, we talked about the Browns having maybe the best line in the NFL, you know, so it's the same guys. If they lost it or if they just, you know, got a little bit out of sync and and now they have to do that. That's why I think, again, this is a good opportunity for them in the next two games, two good defenses starting this week to, you know, run the ball well and throw the ball well and put up 40 points, you know, and, you know, they haven't scored more than a touchdown, I think, with Watson in a game yet. So Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it, they had opportunities last week, but it just didn't materialize. Um, we've got a couple more questions on the uh, run game, uh, and so let's dump, jump into those. Uh, question from Fumble13, he says, Hunt hasn't been the old Hunt we, we've seen. I certainly agree with that. And he follows up asking, why haven't we seen Ernest Johnson? on the field at all uh kareem hunt um uh, just i mean he's he can, he still runs angry you, you know from what i can see but just has not been as effective and the Ernest johnson um uh, has been the invisible man this year uh has there been any explanation for that any questions asked of stefansky or van pelt about why we haven't seen the Ernest johnson <coughs>
2: No, there's been more questions about Jerome Ford. Um, I think everybody realizes he's kind of the future. That's why they, you know, they drafted him and we've seen, you know, in the kicker return, Dearness Johnson was the kicker returner last year, most of the season. And they Mm -hmm. chose when Ford was as soon as he got off injury reserve to get him back out there. And Stefanski said, yeah, they see things in him and they want to give him opportunities. And, um, but then he said that because, because the question was what about making time for D'Anthony bell and Jerome Ford to see what some of these young guys do. And Stefanski said, well, we're, we're going to play. We'll see how that works. We'd like to get some of them guys in, but we're basically playing to win, meaning we're going to do the same thing we always do. Um, And, this is where, you know, a lot of people think there's going to be a lot of firings on the stand. I think Stefanski is very loyal to people. Mm-hmm. Even Kareem Hunt. I just think that you know, he knows he was upset, he wanted to be traded, and he knows he's probably going to be a free agent not coming back to the Browns and and I almost feel like he's letting him play to show to let him do whatever He thinks he can do for the future, you know, and that's where it seems kind of like a, to me, like a contradiction. You're playing to win, but maybe if you don't know, Jerome Ford might be a better option now, or Dearness Johnson might be a better option because I agree. I think hunt runs hard, but I I think maybe he's lost a step or something because Nick Chubb, when he's in there might, you know, will still be productive. Right. The other day, I think Hunt had seven carries for eight yards. Or else defenses, when they see him out there, they just know how he's going to be used. And again, they have, missed, in my opinion, mismanaged using Chubb and Hunt together. To me, that you cannot tell me that having Chubb and Hunt on the field isn't more dangerous than having Chubb and Anthony Schwartz or Chubb right. and David Bell. Or Chubb and Demetrik Felton. Who gives you more um, scare to the opponent? Those two guys. Because they have to count for them, but they don't see it that way. So I think when he's all said and done, they're going to say, you know, it's going to be, you, you really had two or three years, you mismanaged the usage of those two guys together. They're running Hunt like he's, uh, you know, he's just kind of like the the relief back you know, and that easily could have been Dearness Johnson or it easily could have been Jerome Ford.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I have to admit that, uh, uh, when Hutt came into the game repeatedly against the Saints that I, I was not happy, uh, because he just was not as effective as Chubb was. I wanted to see somebody else get a chance in there and you know, Hunt, Hunt's a great guy, you know, and, and, you know, he's had his problems, of course, uh, but he's a local kid. You know how much he wanted to play for the Browns. He, he runs, he's got heart, but he just does not have, he's just not as effective as he used to be. And uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a shame, but it, it's just what it is uh, at this point in time. Um, so, uh, let's, uh, continue our talk about the run game with this from Warpath EJH. Uh, he says, does Chubb fit this offense with Watson? Assuming there will be more shotgun and pistol formations, uh, or do you think that, uh, uh, Chubb is a little bit better with the quarterback under center more often? Any thoughts on that, Fred?
2: Well, they have been using him under center and, But Chubb says he's very comfortable and has done this, you know, his career. And um, I think the stats kind of prove out that that he has been effective, you know, out of the pistol. And I think Chubb will be successful however you use him, to be honest. I think what you you have to do more is those run pass options where if Watson runs the ball more – it will make the backs more effective because they have to, you know, account for him running to the sideline or, you know, that whole aspect. I think that's what opens things up. You know, you, you put it in Chubb and then either, you know, you read it and he either runs or you pull it out and you take off yourself. I think that has to open things up because, you know, you got to have the defense, you know, worrying and you know, about Chubb and worrying about Watson. I was even laughing the other, you know, before the weather game the other day is how about do the wishbone, you know, go Watson, Chubb, hunt and make them like a three headed monster and running Mm -hmm. the ball. And somebody said, what about the wildcat with Chubb or, or hunt? I think, yeah. I mean, I think that combination's better than, than Camara and Taysom Hill. It's just, It's just they they just decided to try to throw the ball too much. So, Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I used to hate the wishbone when Oklahoma and Nebraska ran it back in the day. I used to call it keep away football. I kind of hated it. But that's me. I'm old. Um, Let's uh, move on to a question from Larry from the YouTube chat room. And uh, this involves Chubb, so I think it's a good segue. Uh, he asked whether we should just sit Chubb and Garrett for the rest of the season, considering we're out of the playoffs. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, whether that's a, within the realm of possibility for the Browns right now. Uh, would you do it, Fred? And uh, do you think there's any chance the Browns will uh, take a look at doing that?
2: Well, we asked Chubb today, and he said, yes, he's playing the next two games. said, was there any consideration about you sitting out? And he said, no, none. So then we talked to Stefanski, and he goes, yeah, all our guys are going to play. I mean, the only one that didn't practice today, even Clowney came back, um, was Jedrick Wills, and he was on the stationary bike. So that tells me it's not that bad, and they just said, you know, we're going to watch the next couple of days, see how he's doing. So yeah, he said, we're playing to win. So the caveat is, are you going to limit them to number of plays, you know, and put in Jerome Ford or hunt, or I still think he's going to do Chubb and hunt. If, if the game is out of hand or whatever, maybe in the second half, they, they work in the other guys. And if they, I don't know, but Chubbs planning on playing, and so is Garrett. We hadn't talked to him yet, but uh, I know that he still feels like he wants to finish the season. Now, the only question is with Garrett is I believe he needs surgery. He hasn't said anything about that, but how much of a timetable uh, a type of surgery that he needs? You know, I know with a shoulder, I don't know if if the shoulder is a three month. Rehab six months. Now, if it was something that was really, they said it might be nine months, then you better get on it now. But I don't think it's, it's. if he needs surgery, I don't think that it must be that long of a rehab or they would be on it, you know, right now. So, no, I think they're both going to play. Um, you know, I know Garrett's, cons- you know, wants... Wants to get more sacks. Chubb doesn't seem to worry about stats. I, I saw Derrick Henry is going to miss this week's game. He's he's about 90 yards behind Henry for second. I don't think that makes a big difference, but he, he has a good chance to catch him. But I don't think he could catch Josh Jacobs. is like 200 yards ahead of him, and I assume he's going to play. So I think you're, long story short, yes, they're both going to play. And I, I, to me, I don't know why not, you know, right. you've got to get something going. You cannot go into the off season in my opinion on offense with another 10 point performance in both these games. And you're like, are you kidding me? You know, as rusty as, as he is starting out six games in, into it, you still have no offense that's why I just think you gotta you gotta open it up in one of these two games and just and just let it all fly. I don't mm-hmm. think you have anything to hold back because we don't want to show too much for next year. Hey, show us what your plans were when you got Watson to begin with. It certainly shouldn't be what we've seen.
1: Well, I tell you something if I'm Joe Woods and people are talking about my job, and uh, you're talking about sitting Miles Garrett. Uh, <laughs> I, I might have a slight disagreement with that. Uh, I would certainly want to start him. Uh, same thing with uh, uh, Kevin Stefanski and, uh, and Nick Chubb. Uh, those guys want to hold on to their job. They're going to want to play their best players. And, uh, um, you know, and, and certainly as to your point, Fred, uh, getting some, some momentum for next year you know, showing this offense what they can do. Um, but uh, I, I want to put up this point from Sarist in, uh, in, uh, on Twitter. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about toughness and fire and the players and some things that we're not seeing from the Browns this year. Uh, and he says, I don't buy the fire up the players, perhaps on a coordinator level, but look at Belichick, Andy Reid, Hell, uh, old-time coaches never had to fire up their team. And that seems to be uh, the case. A lot of these coaches seem to have that respect from their players and players go out and play for them, but they don't, you know, seem like fire and brimstone type guys. Right, Fred? Um, I don't
2: don't think you need fire and brimstone. And if I've said that or people thought that's what I was saying, that's not correct. Sean Payton, a lot of those guys, no, they – but, but they're disciplinarians. Players know where they stand. Mike Tomlin, um, John Harbaugh, I don't think. But they have that – they have a discipline in them. And it's got to be, you know, like a guy – you make a mistake or whatever, you know, yank them. You know, don't be afraid to replace somebody. They just don't make any change. Yeah, one, one – di- you know grant delpa got a one play suspension or you know for something he did Just, he didn't start one game missed one play and then you had the garrett thing the other day i don't think that stuff matters at all with the players i think it's more hey this is what we expect from you you don't make the tackle you're out you know we're going to get right. a guy to replace you there's like i'm the big price guy it don't matter what i do you're going to put me back out there there's just no accountability from that aspect. I don't think like they feel like they're going to be replaced or it's going to matter. Right,
1: right. That old accountability part of the mantra. Uh, might you tell be me, there. Belichick,
2: when that guy, you know, got that penalty and cost him the game a couple weeks ago on a special teams, he ran and raved that guy all the way off the field and all the way to the locker room, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't see that fire – Getting in a player's face, you know, of look, you you might do it once, but you're not doing it again playing
1: here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ty Sox 15 asked sort of a follow up to that. Are Kevin Stefanski and the staff just nice guys? There does not appear to be any emotion. Football is an emotional game. Um, You know, and, you know, when a team struggles, people look for you know, maybe gaps in the coaching and, and Stefanski. I don't know if uh, I, I think behind the scenes, he, he, you know, you probably see a different Kevin Stefanski than the cool collected customer you see on the sidelines, but uh, um, they do seem very analytical and, and, you know, calculating on the sidelines. I don't know if you suspect that there is a different Kevin Stefanski behind the scenes. That's, little more emotional.
2: Well, I think there's a little bit, but, um, and this is just my opinion. I think Kevin is not in danger of losing his job because I think he's following the, the, the plan that's set forth, whether it's Paul D Podesta or whatever, the strategy down analytics heavy is that this is what we're doing. And, he's not going to rock the boat and question, look, I'm not doing this stuff. This is what he bought in. He's, you know, he's doing. That's what I have the biggest problem with is just managing the game, you know, even little things like you think back to that Jets game. He's worried about calling the next play when if he would have had nothing on his mind other than time management, he'd have called the team and said, run out of bounds or don't run out of bounds, Neil before he get in the end zone or whatever, so mm-hmm. that Jets would have never got the ball back type of a thing. Right, You right. know, and I just think that the big-pitcher game management is what I think he's got to do a little more better job at. And it's not so much the ranting and raving. It's just all the way around feeling like you're in control. I don't care what he says in the press conferences – but it's pretty much the same thing every week. We got to do better. I want to see solutions, not just talk about it. Right. And and you just, I know when the season's over, Andrew Bear's gonna same thing. We're gonna turn over every rock and try to make sure we do the best going forward. And but you just feel like sometimes that they they just are gonna keep doing what they do, and they. They're so far down this road that we're not changing. We believe in, even though the statistics tell us we're six and nine, two years in a row, sub 500.
1: Right. So let's ask this follow up. Um, some of your peers in the beat writing course seem to uh, relate to analytics like cats relate to a bucket of water, uh, just averse to it. Um What do you think? Do you think the Browns are overdoing it with the whole analytics and uh, Rasputin with the calculator type stuff?
2: Well, I think everybody in the league uses it and does it. I don't like a coach just calling the game totally from his play sheet. You know, I could do that if it told every single situation what you do. Mm -hmm. Some of it's got to come from your gut. But that's what I was saying. I think Kevin Stefanski is following what they want him to do. And um, I do think that it plays an important role and I hope they kind of reevaluate that it's not all analytics. That being said, I think that it, it really does have a bearing, you know, in, in a lot that comes out in the field. I think we, 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 All offseason said, why don't they go get some defensive tackles, get some 300-pound guys to take up space? And it's like, no, we just want the lighter, more athletic guys. And we saw what happened. Well, their idea is it's okay if a team runs for 198 yards as long as you take the ball away. And that worked in the Ravens game. Because everybody forgets about getting given up 198 yards, and even the other day, you know they were getting run over, but after Delpit's takeaway, they didn't they didn't have any more, and the difference in the game was the Saints had a takeaway and they they got the score. So that's that's what I think they got to reevaluate. Yet Reggie Ragland came off the street. He was your old prototypical linebacker, like a Mm 260-pound guy. Doesn't even look like at all what they want. He doesn't fit this scheme. And he was their leading tackler. He had 10 tackles the other day. Right. it's like maybe they'll reevaluate and say, you know, maybe we need to get some more guys like that, some of these little more old-school football players.
1: Right. I've I've been holding this comment from Ronnie Toms uh, because I, I – got to admit, I sort of agree with it. Uh, he says our our GM and analytics department do not value DTs, and it shows our run defense. I'm not sure a change at defensive coordinator can fix that. Um, speaking of re-evaluation, I'm wondering if they're going to reevaluate their approach to the defensive tackle position and invest more in it this year. There's some good defensive tackles, you know, Deron Payne becoming available as a free agent, but I think there's a lot of cynics in the Browns fan base who basically say, oh, well, they'll never spend that kind of money on defensive tackle. You know, they just don't value the position. Do you think that the Browns will take a different look at the position this year? uh, You know, and maybe linebacker based on their experience in 2022?
2: Well, I think they have, as analytical as they are, you know, I saw some stat our guys put out that the Browns were at the bottom number 32 and runs, you know, run defense giving up. Well, that's your defensive tackles and mm-hmm. you have undersized linebackers. And so it's like I said, they they went with the more of the athletic linebacker and the smaller, more athletic inside defensive tackles. And it almost seemed to me the light clicked on for other teams in that Falcons game when the Falcons said, you know what, we're going to give it to our third string running back we just signed off the practice team. I don't even remember his name, Huntley or something like that. And they gave them to him 10 straight times. They went 75 yards right up the middle, touchdown. And it was like that team after team after team the rest of the year because they realized the Browns have these 290-pound defensive tackles who are getting 10 yards pushed off the ball. And by the time the linebackers are smaller, undersized. And when Anthony Walker went out, they didn't really have anybody that could tackle and it was off to the races. So I surely hope they reevaluate this and that I think from the top down on defense, they need to reevaluate because NFL is always in, you know, cycles. It went to the pass run was kind of getting out of, You know, put all your assets on defense in the secondary, safeties and cornerbacks, Mm. and don't worry so much about the run. It's a passing league. Well, now teams are going, you know what? Well, then we'll just run the ball every play like the Falcons did. And then you're like, oh, no, we don't have the guys to do that. So you got to get both. And, yeah, I don't know unless they change their philosophy. They've tried, but I wouldn't say it's aggressive to address defensive tackle. The most legitimate guy they had was Sheldon Richardson. He was under contract. They let him immediately go because of his salary. They, they've just been signing these one year guys, older guy, you know, and, and then they've used one draft choice in the three drafts of Barry a third round on Elliott, a fourth round on Togi, and a fourth round on Winfrey. You're hoping for lightning in a bottle with that. If you really are serious about the defensive tackle, you're going to sign a stud, at least one free agent in the middle, or use a first or second round pick. They don't have a first round, so then use your second round pick and get a guy that can start immediately. But I don't know if you can find that you know, right, right now. So that's where free agency, I think, is your best bet to address that position, at least with one of those.
1: All right. Got a couple more questions here. Uh Quick ones, uh, Emma, Amatora uh, asked, will Hunt be back next year? I've got a quick answer for that. I don't know if you do, Fred.
2: No, I don't think so. I
1: don't think he, so either. Was,
2: His value has not went up. You know, I think that, you know, a 28-year-old free agent running back, you know, you've seen some pretty good ones not get signed. I think Mm -hmm. he's going to be like a training camp at the very last minute. Here's a one year incentive laden deal, you know, unfortunately for him, I I don't see him having a big market, you know, obviously had some baggage from before, but that's a little removed from him. But now I just don't know if a team would look at him. I mean, when he first got here after the first year when teams needed a starting running back, I think that would have been the market that they could have traded him to a team that need that had a running starter tears ACL or something like that. And either the Browns said, we don't want to do it or they didn't get a good enough offer. So I don't Mm -hmm. see how a guy that has 450 yards, you know, averaging 3.9 that's Ray rice numbers. You know, when Ray rice, Never came back after his problem off the field wasn't because mm-hmm. anything more than he had about a three point nine average at that point in his career. Yeah, that's where Hunt yeah. is now, and so I unfortunately I don't see him having a. And and that's what the Browns drafted Ford. Why would you spend six million, you know, on a running back for that type of production? And you could bring back Dearness Johnson if you decide you want you know, three, but I think Ford's the guy in line to be the backup to Chubb.
1: Well, (laughs) next question from Ty Sox 15. Uh, I hear there's been some yammering about this on talk radio. I I don't know if there's any validity to it. You know, you never know with those guys, but uh, uh, supposedly there were people on talk radio saying, Kevin Stefanski's lost the locker room about the benching of Miles Garrett. Have you heard anything like that, Fred?
2: No, I haven't. You know, usually you hear stuff in the media room, reporters talking. I mm-hmm. haven't heard anything about that. And I was in the locker room today. There's nothing to asked. None of the players talked about it. So, unless there's something I don't know about, you know, that and that could happen. But no, I'm supposed to hear from Garrett Friday. We'll see.
1: Yeah, I saw an item out there uh, today saying this dispute will determine Garrett's career in Cleveland and no I think Garrett's contract will determine Garrett's career in Cleveland it's just I don't know an opportunity for me to opine but there's a lot of nonsense out there about this this stuff right now Uh, well that's like
2: me yeah that's like me not calling you to tell you I got a cold and I won't make it in today you know what are you gonna do? Say I can't write the first story, you know, or, or you know, it's kind of like I, well, you know, the report I got that yeah he didn't communicate his illness last week, and I think that had something to do with him being out the first series.
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, you're all pro. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? I'm I'm limited. I'm limited. And uh, you know, we got your big signing bonus to care about and all that sort of stuff. And right. I find that it is 7.59 p.m., so it's about time for us to uh, wrap up. I'm going to ask one more question. I think this is a quick one from Fumble13. It was one of the first questions we got. And he asked, are they keeping Watson upright, meaning not a lot of designed runs, because this year was a bust, keeping him healthy for 2023, the year the plan really starts. So is that the reason for the lack of designed runs for Deshaun Watson? Last well, question could be. I-
2: It could be, but you have him out there and you said, he's going to play all six games. You know, that tells me you're going to try to keep the starting offensive line out there because yeah, that is a concern because if, if he were to tear his ACL in one of these two games, he will miss next season. And, and so that's, but you just can't keep a guy that's been out two years from getting hurt. So maybe, if, if you're saying it's not worth to try to win a game, you know, now that the playoffs are over, yeah, I would think you don't want to do anything that puts puts himself in more danger. But I would think in those games, especially when the wind was blowing, he's fast enough, he was smart enough, just take the ball and run to the sideline right. and get three, four, five yards right. and be on with it. That's all I was saying. Don't run all over the field.
1: Right. Don't put yourself at risk, but do what you do, you know, don't uh, cripple the game that, uh, that you play. All right. There we go. We're at eight o'clock. Thank you for your insight. As always, my friend, Uh, really appreciate it. Everybody. Thanks for your questions. You make the show as always with uh, your questions and comments as always a lot of fun in the chat room uh, today. As always, I enjoy reading your comments throughout the show uh, and uh, we will be back once again next week on Wednesday to report back on what happened against the commanders and preview uh, the game against the noxious and improbably and successful uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, until then, for Mr. Fred, the legend, them, I'm Barry McBride and this has been OBR Weekly. We'll see you next Wednesday. Happy new year. Happy new year, everybody.